1: doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, Bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it, we will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans.
0: This is Always Right on AM 1420. The answer is your host,
2: Bob France. Yes, indeed, and good morning to you. Seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, and we're rolling. It is a Thursday, the 13th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Really appreciate you being with us. Coming up on the program in an hour, top of the hour, Dr. Everett Piper is going to talk to us about pedophilia and why it is that one of the largest newspapers in America, simply by way of not being city-oriented, the USA Today newspaper Why USA Today is Trying to Normalize and Defend Pedophilia. It is an astounding story that you're going to hear in some depth from Dr. Piper. A series of tweets accompanied by an article that they had to take down because of the extraordinary backlash. But this is where you are in left-wing media world 2020, or 2022. I sound like Joe Biden now. But in the left-wing media world of 2022, and it was the same way in 2020, so I I don't have to correct myself. And it was the same way in 2010 and the same way in 2000. It's the left-wing world. It's the way it is in the media. Anyway, um, when they literally are now taking it to the level of defending pedophilia and saying pedophilia really isn't the same thing as child molestation. Oh my goodness, Dr. Everett Piper is going to be all over that story, coming up at the top of the next hour at 10.10. Then at 10.35, we're going to talk to another Senate candidate. Yesterday I had on uh, Bernie Moreno. Uh, Today we're going to have on J.D. Vance. But for a different reason than just talking about campaign issues, J.D. Vance is, uh, in fact, uh, co-wrote an op-ed that was in the Columbus Dispatch calling for Google to be treated as a common carrier, meaning in communications, the same as a telephone company or a television company or a radio company, a common carrier of information, and thus should be treated the same way. And that means they're not allowed to cancel service. As a common carrier, your phone service can't cut your service off simply because they don't like your politics. As a common carrier, a radio company, a television company cannot cut off access to people based on their conservative uh, political points of view. But Google does, particularly through its YouTube wing. They do it all the time. J.D. Vance is calling for an end to that. I think that's a a newsworthy story to talk to a candidate. Not that we need a particular newsworthy story. We kind of talk to all of the candidates uh, multiple times. Gonna have to get Mark Pukita back on in here pretty soon. Um, But we talked to Josh and and we talked to Mike Gibbons and we talked to Bernie and we talked to JD Vance. And, uh, you know, we worked our way through almost everybody except except Jane Timken, who won't come back on. Gee, I wonder why. Maybe it has something to do with the first interview uh, and uh, calling her out for her extraordinary uh, anti-due process stance that she took when it came to Anthony Gonzalez, her favorite member of Congress. Anyway. J.D. Vance will talk to us about that. That's an important story. I don't care if it's coming to us from a candidate or from an established um, uh, elect, elected official or anybody else for that matter. It's, it's a good idea, and it's important to talk about. So that's coming up. Second hour, guest heavy with Dr. Piper and J.D. Vance. What does that mean for the first hour? It means great opportunities for you to be heard. So dial us up when you're ready. 216-901-0945, 281 By the way, if I didn't mention it's the 13th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord 2022, my apologies. That is exactly what it is. Now, as we get our program started, I would like for you, if you are a patriot, To join me in what has become our daily routine, and that is starting our program with our Pledge of Allegiance. So, patriots, please stand where you are. Uh, If you have a flag, please face it. If you do not, that's okay. You can certainly uh, just put your hand on your heart and join us anyway. If you are a leftist, if you are a Biden voter, if you're a socialist, if you're a Marxist, if you are a communist, we know that you don't believe in the freedom that represent, is represented by the stars and stripes and our pledge of allegiance to this country. So you go ahead and take your knee alongside your favorite quarterback. As for the rest of us... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United
0: States of America and to the republic For which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for
2: all. All right, I wanted to get the pledge in as early as I can uh, this morning so that I have time in the opening segment to play for you one of the best speeches that I've heard on the floor of the United States Senate in a very, very, very long time. Tom Cotton rose yesterday uh, in the uh, Senate, and uh, Tom Cotton was speaking on the issue of changing the filibuster, which is what the Democrats, of course, are wanting to do, have planned to do, and have declared their intention to do, if they can convince a couple of moderate Democrat senators to go along with them. Um, But uh, you've heard Joe Biden say in his bizarre angry, hate-filled, divisive speech in Georgia two days ago. You heard Kamala Harris do it in the same on the same day and in the same forum. You've heard Chuck Schumer do it numerous times as well, calling for a change, an end, to the legislative filibuster so that they can then ramrod through, on a simple majority vote, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act which, of course, is the federalization of our electoral process, taking the rights away from the states to determine how their votes and their, vote, their elections will be held. So we've heard that time and time again, and we all know the reason why. I don't want to rehash it all, but it's the only chance they have to stop the red tsunami that's coming in November. So yesterday, Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton decided to deliver a speech um, defending the filibuster, But in his defense of the filibuster, he didn't use his own words. He spoke for four minutes and ten seconds, and every single word he spoke came from Chuck Schumer. The man calling for a change to the filibuster has for years railed against the idea of changing the filibuster or eliminating or nuking the legislative filibuster. So Tom Cotton got up, did not use a word of his own to make this argument. Instead, he stood next to a giant poster of Chuck Schumer and used Chuck Schumer's words to defend the filibuster, which, of course, would end any talk of ramming through a federal voting rights, i.e., voter fraud act. This is worth the entire four minutes from Senator Tom Cotton. The
3: senator from Arkansas. Right now, we are on the precipice of a constitutional crisis. We're about to step into the abyss. I want to talk for a few minutes why we're on that precipice and why we're looking into that abyss. Let me first ask a fundamental question. What is the crisis that calls for the undoing of two centuries of tradition? Are senators merely doing their jobs as legislators, responding to a generalized public calling for the abolition of the filibuster? Clearly not. It is not the American people at large who are demanding detonation of the nuclear option. The nuclear option is being pushed largely by the radioactive rhetoric of a small band of radicals who hold in their hands the political fortunes of the President. Constitutional scholars will tell us that the reason we have these rules in the Senate, unlimited debate, two-thirds to change the rules, the idea that 60 have to close off debate, is embodied in the spirit and rule of the Constitution. That is what the Constitution is all about. And we all know it. It is the Senate where the Founding Fathers established a repository of checks and balances. It's like the House of Representatives, where the Majority Leader or the Speaker can snap his fingers and get what he wants on important issues the Founding Fathers wanted, and they were correct in my judgment that the slimmest majority should not always govern. The Senate is not a majoritarian body. The bottom line is very simple. The ideologues in the Senate want to turn the founding fathers, what the founding fathers called the cooling saucer of democracy, into a rubber stamp of dictatorship. They will make this country into a banana republic, where if you don't get your way, you change the rules. Are we going to let them? It will be a doomsday for democracy if we do. I, for one, hope and pray that it will not come to this. But I assure my colleagues, at least speaking for this senator, I will do everything I can to prevent the nuclear option from being invoked, not for the sake of myself or my party, but for the sake of this great republic and its traditions. Those are powerful words, but they're not mine. Every word of my speech today was originally spoken by our esteemed colleague, the senior senator from New York, Chuck Schumer. Senator Schumer spoke so eloquently in defense of the Senate's rules, customs, and traditions, when the fortunes of his party looked a little different. My, how times have changed. Now it's Senator Schumer's fingers that are hovering over the nuclear button, ready to destroy the Senate for partisan advantage. Think about it. The narrowest majority in Senate history wants to break the Senate rules to control how voters in every state elect senators. Could there be a better argument to preserve the Senate's rules, customs, and traditions? So before it's too late, let us reflect on the wise and eloquent words of Senator Schumer. Words that are as true today as they were when he spoke them. Even if Senator Schumer is singing a different tune today. Madam President, I yield the floor. Can you
2: dig it? Senator Tom Cotton laying the wood to the Democrats' entire argument using not the words of a Republican trying to protect the Senate filibuster, the Senate rules, the Senate tradition, the Senate customs. Tom Cotton used the words of the Democrats, of the Senate's majority leader, Chuck Schumer, who said it will turn this country into a banana republic. Doomsday. For our democracy. The the slimmest majorities cannot rule unilaterally. Well, there has never been a slimmer majority than a 50-50 tie with a tie breaking vote going to the vice president. This is the way you battle these people. You give them just enough of their own rope to hang themselves. And in this case, of course, we're talking about the words of Chuck Schumer. Remind America from the floor of the Senate of what Chuck Schumer really thinks about, about the legislative filibuster, about protecting it for the sake of democracy, for the sake of our foundational principles outlined in the Constitution. We cannot do that. We cannot just, hey, we're not able to pass A voting rights bill that we know will give us a massive advantage because it will essentially open the floodgates for massive voter fraud so we need to change the the rules in midstream forget about all of that banana republic stuff forget about all of that doomsday for democracy stuff forget about all of that constitutional history two centuries of our founding fathers being wiped out. Forget about all of that. Give the left just enough verbal rope and let themselves hang from it. And that is exactly what Tom Cotton did yesterday. That was brilliant. There is nothing he could have written on his own that would have been better than that. There is nothing that any senator, including Mitch McConnell, which I'll get to in a moment, there's nothing any of them could write in defense of the filibuster and the Constitution and thus the rule of law that says you can't change and federalize the vote without a full two-thirds majority doing so. You must keep the filibuster. All of Nobody could write a better speech than the one that, that Tom Cotton just did, which was written by Chuck Schumer. They're out of, and it was actually portions of several speeches and remarks. An assembly, a, a montage, if you will an aggregation of Chuck Schumer's remarks through the decades about the importance of the Senate rules, customs, traditions, and that would be the filibuster. That was absolutely perfect. And as we move closer to primary season, and as we move closer, of course, to November, still 11 months away, and the 2022 red tsunami that is coming at the Democrats so fast that they are fleeing like islanders. Seriously. They're fleeing like islanders as the tsunami comes ashore. And they're about to be drowned in it. Twenty-six of them have announced they will not run for re-election. Because they know they're going to get swamped. So they're fleeing as if their lives depend on it. And politically speaking, they do. They know what's coming, and that's why they're so desperate. That's why Joe Biden went down to Georgia looking for a vote to steal. That's why Kamala Harris joined him. And that's why they took their anger and their vitriol and their hatred of the American people and they let it all come out. They let it fly. Biden let it fly in Georgia like Mussolini from the balcony for crying out loud against American citizens. And this is why they know what's coming. An amazing job by Senator Tom Cotton of highlighting all of it yesterday. All right, we got more to talk about, and we've got your phone calls, too. 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. Don't forget, guest free, hour number one. Guest heavy, in hour number two, right here. By the way, almost forgot, if you don't get in during hours one or two, you can try hours three, four, or five, because I will be in for three hours this afternoon hosting Dennis Prager. I'll be on from noon until three. You'll hear it live here on AM 1420, The Answer from... Two until three, of course, because of the Charlie Kirk hour. But uh, if you are listening on the Dennis Prager channel, DennisPrager dot com, or through the Salem Salem Now Media or Salem Media uh, app, uh, I'll be on for three hours with Dennis Prager today. So I got a lot to talk about and a lot of time to do it. Always right. AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Right back.
0: gone mad this is blasphemy
2: this is madness
0: you need something different this is... always right with bob franz on am 1420 the answer
2: all right i had so much fun listening to the words of chuck schumer through the voice of senator tom cotton brilliantly i might add that i want to hear uh, another liberal voice defending the filibuster and attacking those who would dare to nuke the legislative filibuster. Maybe you recognize this voice. I've been
4: here as long as Senator Byrd, and no one fully understands the Senate as well as Senator Byrd, but I've been here for over three decades. I think this is the single most significant vote any one of us will cast in my 32 years in the Senate, and I suspect uh, the Senator would agree with that. And we should make no mistake... This nuclear option is ultimately an example of the arrogance of power. It is a fundamental power grab by the majority party, propelled by its extreme right and designed to change the reading of the Constitution, particularly as it relates to individual rights and property rights. It's nothing more or nothing less, and let me take a few moments to explain that. Folks who want to see this change want to eliminate one of the procedural mechanisms designed for the express purpose of guaranteeing individual rights, and they also, as a consequence, would undermine the protections of a minority
2: point of view in the heat of majority excess. That was Joe Biden in 2005 complaining of the idea of a majority, a Senate majority, which, by the way, was much larger than a non-majority 50-50 tie, which is the case right now. But complaining about the possibility of a majority eliminating the legislative filibuster in order to ram through uh, legislation that is not popular with both parties or bipartisan. As a consequence, what it would do is undermine the protections of a minority point of view in the heat of that majority excess. Well, right now, in reality, they don't even have a majority. They have a 50-50 tie. It's a majority in name only because of the tie-break rule, which goes to the vice president, which, of course, is in the same party. But without a majority, with a 50-50 dead heat, they want to eliminate the legislative filibuster? thereby silencing not just the point of view of the minority party that Joe Biden talked about in 2005, but to silence the point of view of half of the country's representation in the Senate. 50 out of 100 United States senators would be rendered mute, silenced, zipped. They'd be muted. Half of the country's representation in the Senate by by going forward with this nuclear option this 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 this, this destruction of the, the legislative filibuster in the senate Schumer has opposed it Biden opposed it Durbin opposed it every prominent liberal democratic leader in the senate through the years has opposed it with the exception of whom Harry Reid the late Harry Reid who convinced his colleagues to detonate the nuclear option, when it came to the filibuster for um, confirming judges and justices. Mitch McConnell, who succeeded Harry Reid in the seat as majority leader, then used exactly what the majority leader didn't want him to, to do, but it's exactly what he used. And now Mitch McConnell is warning them. If you do it with the legislative filibuster... The same result is going to happen. You will rue the day. Mitch McConnell said, I personally guarantee it. And I hope they're listening. It's 9:30. we'll get our news now. come back with your phone calls. AM 1420 the answer. Hush,
5: I need a now.
0: upside down and the majority turns to the left, turn to the right always right with Bob France on AM 1420 The Answer
2: 938 thanks for being with us on AM 1420 The Answer, Dr. Everett Piper coming up at the top of the hour an astounding story a simply astounding story that Dr. Piper and I are going to discuss among a couple of others uh, but if you did not see the USA Today story and the USA, USA Today tweet storm trying to normalize and almost defend pedophilia and pedophiles, trying to draw a distinction between pedophiles and child molesters, um, it, 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 it drew backlash from all corners and all sides of the ideological spectrum. Uh, Dr. Piper will join us at 1010 to discuss that. Harry Reid was the first to use the nuclear option in 2013, if you forgot. There was a bare majority, not as thin as this one, which is 50-50, and a non-majority, but a bare majority of Democrats in the Senate removed the ability to filibuster for judicial nominees below the Supreme Court level. And they were warned then that if you do this, you're going to rue the day. Because when we take back the majority when we are the uh, and we take back the white house and our president is the one nominating judges we are going to be confirming confirming them on 5149s if that's what it takes from now until you know uh the, you know the sun goes down we're going to do it forever and guess what donald trump appointed more conservative judges to more courts more federal courts in 4 years than the democrats could ever have imagined And it was thanks to the Harry Reid blowing up of the filibuster. So the message from Mitch McConnell is, you better learn your history. If you do this with the legislative filibuster, when we take control again, it's over for you. It's over for you. I personally guarantee you're going to rue the day. Senator Joe Manchin was asked by a reporter in a hallway. He was wearing a mask. So it's a little hard to hear, but I hope you can make it out. But he was asked about changing the filibuster uh, in order or nuking the filibuster in order to change the rules and allow a simple majority vote on voting rights, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. This is uh, that quick exchange.
3: My on filibuster,
0: a procedure? The
3: filibuster is what we have, our rules. We need some good rule changes to make the place work better. But getting rid of the filibuster,
2: doesn't make it work better. Get- okay. Uh, again, he's behind a mask and he's off mic. So it's a little hard to hear. It's kind of muffled. It's one of the reasons I hate the mask. It, it alters speech. Uh, he said, "We need some good rule changes to make the place work, but getting rid of the filibuster doesn't make it work better." In other words, I'm a no on changing the filibuster. He was very clear and very direct, which is why the the always shaky voice sounds like she's about to cry. Vice President Kamala Harris uh, went on TV to slam him and Kirsten Sinema for daring to actually honor the Senate's oath the Senate customs and traditions by keeping the filibuster in place. I
5: will not absolve the 50 Republicans in the United States Senate from responsibility for upholding one of the most basic and important tenets of our democracy which is free and fair elections and access to the ballot for all eligible voters. What about Senator
0: Manchin? What about Senator? Sid-
5: I don't think anyone should be absolved from the responsibility of preserving and protecting our democracy especially... When they took an oath to protect and defend our Constitution,
2: <laughs> and in protecting and defending the Constitution, she wants to destroy the Constitution. How about that? By the way, does anybody else find it curious and odd and strange and weird and cringy that a woman like Kamala Harris is playing the role of priest or pastor that 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 Kamala Harris, is going to decide who is absolved of their sins of keeping the filibuster intact, keeping free and fair elections by trying to limit the opportunities for electoral fraud. She decides who is absolved. Anybody hear that word and just cringe a little bit? I will not absolve any Republican or anyone for not voting the way I want them to. Their sins will not be forgiven. I will not absolve them. This is the woman to absolve sins. A woman whose name is only known around the world right now because of her, how should we put this tactfully, her questionable morals and her questionable ethical ethics and actions as a young professional trying to find her way into uh, mainstream politics, the things that she did with a married man in order to cozy up literally to him in order to get her political start, it's the only reason she's even known. If it came down solely to credentials and qualifications, she wouldn't be sweeping the halls of the Senate, or vacuuming the Oval Office, much less sitting in the in the, in the uh, Oval Office as the Vice President in support of the President. She she would she'd be she'd be working at a at a drugstore right now. Uh, but it, it, this woman again with questionable morals and uh, decision making is going to absolve decide who is absolved who is whose sins are forgiven and whose are not. I just find that a little bit hilarious. One more quick one before I go to your calls. Um Cornell Belcher was on a panel discussion on Meet the Press on Sunday. Maybe you heard this. Maybe you did not with uh, Chuck Todd. And the discussion was, of course, how fair and how easy it is to vote in America. Uh, quite simply, it is very easy to vote in America. It always has been. Does it take some time? Sure. Sure. Sometimes you have to wait in line a little bit. We've all done it. We've all done it. But according to Cornell Belcher, you shouldn't have to do it if you're the right color. Or maybe in his vernacular, the wrong color. Go i got to push back on my friend Sarah about his, how bi- easy it is to, to vote in America. It is not that easy to vote in America. If you are, happen to look like me and you're in Georgia, you're staying in line for, for six or seven hours to, to, to vote. It's not easy to vote in America if you happen to look like me. I want to see the first line that is six or seven hours long. I've waited 45 minutes in a line and thought it seemed like forever. I don't know. Maybe I actually waited in a, in a previous election. Maybe I waited over an hour. Can never, ever remember having to wait two, much less three. Anybody ever stand in a four-hour line to vote? This guy wants you to think that if you look like him, black, you have to stand in a six- or seven-hour line. Never heard of such a thing, Ever. But he said, that's what happens when you look like me. Right. And that's and that's been done intentionally. Republicans have intentionally shut down voting uh, polls for places that, that, that cater to minorities and people who actually vote, vote Democratic. And you've seen over 200 laws pass over this last year since since the power of young people and black voters turn and flip states. And Donald Trump doubled his number of black votes from 2016 to 2020. Black voters didn't do anything here um, to, to deny or to turn against uh, the Republican progress that was made in 2016 through 2020. Black voters, actually more of them flipped and went the other way toward Donald Trump than turned away from him. Yet you're talking about the power of young people and black people flipping the elections. I've got bad news for you, Cornell. Really bad news for you. Your demographic is shifting politically. Not only the African-American vote, but also the Hispanic vote that you talked about. It is flipping dramatically. And that's not by accident either. It's simple. African-Americans watched their fortunes rise in the four years of, that Donald Trump was president, unlike anything that happened in eight years of the first black president, Barack Obama, or the eight years of what they called the first black president in the 90s, Bill Clinton. Donald Trump did more for blacks in America than any Democrat president ever has. Ever has. And it's being recognized in polling. Why would Republicans want to make it harder for African-Americans to vote when African-Americans and Latinos, particularly Latinos, even more so, according to polling, are flipping even more toward conservative Republicans in Senate races, in House races, and potentially in the 2024 race? Why would they want to limit it? The bottom line is over 200 laws that he's talking about over this past year were passed to stop voter fraud, to stop cheating to stop ballot harvesting, to stop dead voters or people who have moved out of districts and states from casting votes anyway by whoever goes into their mailbox and grabs their universal mail-in vote and then scribbles on it and puts it in a box that is then counted up to 10 days after the deadline for the, for the uh, mail-in ballots to get there. Ballot harvesting, unmonitored drop boxes, universal mail-in voting, uh, same-day registration, no voter identification. Who'd you say you were? Nick? Okay, we'll trust that you're Nick. Go vote. And then Nick shows up in another place two hours later. What'd you say your name was? Jimmy? Jimmy? Okay, no ID. That's all right. Go vote. The only party that is actually standing up for voting rights is the Republican Party. Because what they are trying to do is to make sure that every vote that is cast by a white person, a black person, a Hispanic person, an Asian person, a Martian person, as long as they are legal residents and have the right to vote, I forgot to mention illegal uh, aliens voting too, by the way, but as long as they are legal residents and have a right to vote, they are legal citizens and have the right to vote. Making sure that their vote is not discounted by accepting a fraudulent vote that cancels it out, that is the true protection of voting rights. And there is no way to see it otherwise. If you choose to play loose and fast with the rules and allow somebody to cast a vote who is not an eligible voter or to cast more than one vote or to cast a vote that comes late and it cancels out a legitimate vote, who has been disenfranchised here? The legitimate voter has, because his vote no longer counts. It's been canceled. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to bring cancel culture to the ballot box. Cancel legitimate conservative votes with as many illegal votes for liberal, leftist, Marxist, socialist, Democrats as we possibly can. John and Bree has been waiting very patiently for a while now. John, I apologize. I got into some of some of these uh, uh, issues, and I have to roll for a little while. So, thanks for being patient. You're on the air first. Go ahead, sir.
5: Thank you. Um, I don't like what I'm hearing. It if- is. With Republicans and conservatives being so sure that they are going to win big time. In November, it's a classic case of counting your chickens before they're hatched. Could lead to people saying, "Well, it's it's a foregone conclusion. I I, I don't want to go. I won't go vote today, or stuff like that." Additionally, along with the fact that there's a long time between now and November third or November, uh, I think it's a dangerous thing and not a smart thing to be uh, so cocky about uh, the victory that uh, they think they're going to have.
2: Well, I'll tell you this, John, and I thank you for the phone call and for your opinion. I don't think it's cockiness. I think, as a matter of fact, I think these predictions of massive success in November are going to have the opposite effect, rather than people saying, well, if we're going to win so easily, I don't have to go vote. No. I think what what is being done right now as we take a look at the tea leaves and we look at 26 Democrats resigning or retiring, not running for re-election because they see themselves that they're going to get swamped and swallowed up by the red wave, I think it's going to encourage more and more and more conservative Republican voters to get there, to make sure it happens. I think the the negativity that came with having the 2020 election stolen and the depression and the despondency... And the anxiety that came with losing really, really needed to be flipped around to a place where they see not only a light at the end of the tunnel, but they see the bright sun at the end of the tunnel. Not just a little light that might give them hope. They see a massive opportunity here. The dark days of 100% leftist Marxist rule are going to be over. And all we've got to do is keep marching down that tunnel. Keep going and we'll get there. That tunnel... Ends on November 3rd, and I don't think anybody is going to fall asleep in the tunnel saying, eh, eventually the sunlight will reach me. No. Everybody knows you have to keep on going. If you want to get to that sunlight, if you want to get to that salvation, you have to march toward it. Nobody's going to say, "Ah, eh, we've got it. Somebody else will get there first. It's okay. I think by, by promoting this, and, and again, nobody's lying either. The polls are the polls and history is history when it comes to midterm elections for minority parties against uh, first-term presidents history shows what history shows and it's going to repeat itself and it's going to be on steroids because of what joe biden has done in one year as president literally destroying everything that we have come to rely upon i don't think any conservatives are going to fall asleep between now and november and say i don't have to vote but i do appreciate your concern john Right back after this.
5: Yeah. The classical music there, Jim. The march of the wind soldiers. or you protest kids. You can hear Jack.
0: of the left hurts oh god i hurt a little bit i'm alright. always right with bob france
2: oh god i felt good yeah on am 1420 the answer all right 957 i always love that one (laughs) 957 uh it is always right on am 1420 the answer dr Everett piper after the top of the hour J.D. Vance uh, at the bottom of the next hour at about 1035. We'll go to um, Westlake. Charlie, you're on the air. Charlie, go ahead. Hey,
5: Bob. Thanks for taking the call. I was watching uh, the Biden speech again. This time I watched a little bit more. You know, he literally called half of America or most of America racists and traitors. He said, you're going to be like. Jefferson Davis, he's,
2: yeah. he's he Segregationist really segregationists, and confederates. That's what—that's essentially what he called us.
5: It's traitors, right? And and I mean, he's trying to divide this country like I've never ever seen it. And I'm thinking, why? Why he's trying to break the Senate with this, this uh, you know, break the, the filibuster? Why? He'll break the Senate. We'll we'll go into a. It looks like they're trying to provoke. He keeps saying white supremacy is the biggest problem. It's like he's provoking people to, to join it. It's crazy. And I think if we step into this trap, and I think it is a trap, they're going to use that as, oh, we we're right. They are white supremacists. They are uh, traitors to our country. So we have uh, to that. Well, I mean, back. Here,
2: here's, the, here's the thing, Charlie. Look, the, the, the Demo- and thanks for the call. Democrats have been playing identity politics for a very long time now. And the best way that they can do that is say anybody who actually challenges somebody who is not a straight white male, we will brand them as racist or sexist or homophobic. Uh, uh, that's, that's just, that's, that's their game plan here. And the more of those boxes that their candidates check, the better it is for them. So when he attacks people on, you know, calling them racist or segregationists or, or Confederates or whatnot, it's not a specifically new thing. It is just, their identity politics on steroids. We're trying to cancel the black vote. That's what they want to try to do to provoke more identity politics and more people into opposing these, uh, radical right-wing extremists. I don't think it's a trap because again, as I said to you yesterday, a trap is something that is set, uh, you know, that you don't see coming. They are coming at you full force head on and saying this is what our game, st- game plan and strategy-, strategy is for better or worse. Uh, thank you. Pete in Elyria. Hey, Pete, you're on AM 1420. The answer. Go hey, ahead, Bob. sir.
5: I know you're up against it. a piece of yes. legislation for Jim Jordan. Any entity, city, or school board that allows illegal aliens or not non-citizens to vote should lose all federal funding.
2: Any, say that again, any school board? Any city,
5: or- any city like New York City or whatever that allows non-citizens to vote should lose all federal funding.
2: Um, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's common sense, to be honest with you, Pete. Uh it absolutely should be. Why should federal funds go to localities and institutions, public institutions funded by tax dollars? Why should those dollars go to somebody that is literally violating federal law or supporting yep. the violation of federal law? Uh completely concur. I don't know, and thanks for the call. I don't know that it's legislation that could be proposed now, but at the risk of sounding cocky, as a previous caller said Uh, Ask me about that in January. Ask me about that one year from now, after we roll through the left in the November elections. Thanks for the call, Pete. It's 10 o'clock in time for news. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about a story that you probably are going to wish you didn't hear. Why does USA Today want to normalize pedophilia? Why do they want to defend pedophiles and distinguish between them and child molesters? They do. They do. Dr. Everett Piper is going to have some strong thoughts on that that he'll share with us next.